but we allow it to fester and to grow. Anger starts one way. It's it's almost like in the Bible, in in Genesis, you see the enemy as a serpent. But by the time you get to Revelation, he's a grown-up beastie dragon. And that's, that's how our anger becomes. We move from just being a serpent to being a beast. We become a dragon. We, some of us can get so angry, we, we, we spitting out fire. The tongue, the tongue, the tongue is an unruly fire. It, it, it can set flame to things. It advances sin, uh, this issue of sin and, and conflict and anger, it advances, it advances in our lives. Watch this. It grows and it's, it's dangerous. If we don't deal with it, it becomes dangerous. Unresolved anger will fester. It can become uncontrollable and give birth to murder. Here it is again in, in, in verses 5 and chapter 5 and 22. Again, he says, but I tell you, why, why is it important that we deal with conflict? It's important because Jesus says, but I tell you. This, this isn't Quincy talking. This, this isn't just, just me standing here telling you these words. But these words are written in red in your Bible. These words are the words of Christ. This isn't me telling you, he says, but I tell you this is how important it is. That's why it's important to resolve conflict because it matters to God. It's important to God. It stops the advancement of his work and it advances the darkness work in our lives. It advances the kingdom of darkness. There there are three steps, three steps in the growth of anger that I want to share with you. Number one is conceitedness. Conceitedness. Uh, The anger, this is the anger that that broods. It's that that selfish type of anger where it's always about me. It's always about you. It's always, everything ain't personal. Hello? Everything ain't personal, but we think it's about us. Some decisions that are made ain't about you. Some things that have to be done, they're not about you. Sometimes you just got to play the hand that you're dealt in life. If, if, if they, they close they, the, the, the job down, they give you a pink slip, you're going to make it about you and go in and shoot everybody in there? That's what happens when people make all issues about them. They take it personal. It's a conceited anger that broods and is selfish. It harbors malice. It will not forget. It lingers. It broods. It, it wills revenge and sometimes seeks revenge. A conceited, a conceited anger. I know we don't have this problem up in Lifeway, but let it be a warning that we don't have a conceited anger amongst us. Not only is there conceited anger, there's the anger of contempt. It's the anger that holds on to contempt. It despises. It ridicules. It it arrogantly exalts self, watch this, and calls another person empty 
and useless. That's, that's what the word raka means. It, you, you look at the other person and just consider them, they're worthless. So you don't care how you treat them. You don't care what you say about them. You don't say what you say toward them, care what you say toward them. Why? Because they're worthless. Can you, you're calling God's creation worthless. So when you don't see the opportunities, when you don't see the, the reason why you ought to bring a, 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 about some resolution in a relationship and you deem the person as a nobody, as worthless, you'll never resolve issues. Because you hold everyone in contempt. It's full of malice. Despises his scorns. It, it arises from pride, a proud wrath. And such feelings of anger walk over and trample people. It says that whatever ill comes up upon a person is deserved. Mm. This is the type of anger that wishes harm on other people. They, they deserve what they get. As a matter of fact, you waiting on them to get it. And the longer you wait, there are some people, God has forgiven them, they've repented, and you're still waiting on them to get it. What if God got you? We want God to get them. What if he got you? Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God through Christ Jesus is eternal life. You have sinned, you have wronged, you have despised. What about you? I ain't mad at nobody. <laughs> there's another step. There's another step. Then there's curses. We become so angry that we curse. The anger that curses, it, it seeks to destroy a man and his reputation morally, intellectually, and spiritually. I know somebody's waiting for this next one. Um, there's a condoned anger. All right, all right. There, 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 there's some anger... That's justifiable. There, there, there is a, a legitimate anger that you can have. Righteous indignation. The, the believer knows that he is angry for a legitimate reason. There, there are some things you ought to get angry about. Some things your children do, you better get angry about. That you can help them to understand the principles of God that you save their life. Some things you have to confront to bring about salvation. Jesus confronted the world. That's why they killed him. <laughs> because he was angry. Remember, he went into the temple and he said, see, he said unto them that, that the word of God said that you would turn the house of prayer. You would change it and make it a den of thieves. And he overturned all the money changers in the temple. He became righteously indignant over what was happening among the people of God. There are some things you ought to get mad about. You, you ought to get mad about the enemy taking your joy over foolishness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you ought to get mad about the enemy taking over your family over bitterness. You, you ought to get mad about the enemy stopping you from doing the ministry and the work that God has called you to do. You, you ought to get angry about that and say, oh, no, enemy, you can't, you can't have my praise. You can't have my worship. You can't have my joy. You can't have my children. You can't have my life. No, you cannot have it. You ought to get angry about that. But we get angry about foolish things. 
We get angry about things that don't matter much. We get angry about things that's a matter of preference. It's a matter of my desire versus their desire. Sometimes you just got to compromise and say, it, it ain't even worth us falling out over this. This Because I'm not right, you're not right. It's just a matter of principle. We just got to do it and move forward. You follow me? There's condone, there's condone anger. But the believer knows when, when there's condone anger for a legitimate reason. And they seek to correct the situation in the most peaceable way possible. Listen, Ephesians 4, it's not on the screen. In verse 26, jot this down. It says, in your anger, do not sin. So if the text is telling you in your anger, it's saying you're going to become angry. I'm not telling someone, don't, you, you don't, oh, you should never get angry. You're a child of God. You, you should never get angry. No, I know you get angry. I know you get upset. I know you get rattled. I know you get frustrated. But in your anger, don't sin. In your anger, don't talk down about people. In your anger, if you're not going to confront it, if you're not going to deal with the issue, don't talk bad about anybody. It says, in your anger, don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. That, what, what he's simply saying here is you have to deal with and respond to the matter quickly. You got to deal with it quickly. And you need to know how to deal with it effectively. Amen? You, but you got to deal with the matter. If, if, if my kids came with an issue about what's going on at school, I, I can't deal with it right away. Maybe I got to wait till the next day. I call the school and establish an appointment to go there and deal with the matter of another child or, 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 or a teacher. However, if there's a matter in my house, I can't go to bed. Without have you ever lost some sleep in your house just trying to get some agreement? Uh, yeah, y'all don't feel me. Y'all don't feel me. It, it, uh, there, there are times I come in with a red eye. I ain't been hit in it. It's just I can't get no sleep. I can't get no rest until this matter is resolved. I'm I'm sorry. Did did you misunderstand what I was saying? I j just hear me out on this. Have you ever been there? There, there are times I just want to beg, baby. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, I don't mean any harm, Sharon. I, I just come to tell you that, that, baby, I love you. I know I didn't send no flowers. I know I didn't send no roses, but, but don't miss it. I love you. That's why I work as hard as I do. I, I love you. See, and then we'll start talking about all that we do. Yeah, you can tell I love you because I do this. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Ain't that like us? <laughs> you know I love you. And she's saying, well, show me then. Love is a verb. <laughs> Don't just talk it. You got to walk it. <laughs> Didn't you say one Sunday, Sharon will start preaching stuff back to me. Like, oh, now you want to go there. <laughs> I know what I said. Don't mean I don't struggle with it. Yeah, I preached it, but yeah, I'm, I'm, help, help me help you. <laughs> I got issues <laughs> and later you can laugh about that stuff seriously some, some of the things that Sharon and I used to get upset about blows me away 
I'm serious. It blows me away as I think about it today. We, we've been together. I was 21. She was 20 when we, we got married. We didn't know nothing. We, we, I'm telling we didn't know nothing. And we were so sensitive, so sensitive. We, we wore our feelings on our sleeves. We, we had to walk around one another at, like we, we're stepping on eggshells. I didn't want to offend her. She didn't want to offend me. And the first words come out, we, we bad about it over nothing. Did you just call me? I, I wasn't trying to call you. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've said I'm sorry so many times. Yeah. I, yeah, you ought to get used to it. Some, you know, let's practice it now. Let's practice. I'm sorry. Everybody say it with me. I'm sorry. Come on, let's try it again. Say it again. I'm sorry. Well, you you got to get used to saying it. You got to get used to saying I'm sorry. Get the pride out the way. Get used to saying, okay, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Please, and, and say, please forgive me. Y'all say it with me. Please forgive me. You're going to need to know this. If you're going to ever keep relationships. I'm telling you, if you get nothing else out of this today, learn those words. I'm sorry and please forgive me. That's it. That's it. That's, that's the key to your breakthrough today. If you want your breakthrough, you want your deliverance, say, I'm sorry. <laughs> please forgive me. <laughs> that's the key. That's the key. That's your deliverance. See, you thought you had to spin around three times, reach up and grab it, and it was around the corner. No, it's in what you say. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. It's that simple. It's that simple. Now, the truth is you can't change all conflicts. I know somebody's glad to hear that. Romans 12 and 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, you got to make the effort. If it's at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So you got to make sure you've exhausted every measure that you know how to live at peace with your fellow man. Not just the church, but your neighbor, your fellow. I don't, I don't care if they, they, they Muslim. I don't care if they Buddhist. You got to learn how to live at peace with everyone, with everyone. You can't change all causes to conflict. But there are some acceptable reasons for unresolved conflict. Somebody is saying, yeah, I, I tell me, because I, I ain't fooling with them no more. I'm done. <laughs> there are reasons for unresolved conflict. Number one, I need time. I need time. So there's a matter of time that it might not be resolved. Don't mean that you're not working toward resolving it. Sometimes you really do need time. If somebody say, you know what? Um, can, can, can we deal with this matter a little bit later? Let, let me pray about this. Let me, let me deal with this. Don't, don't pressure them. Hello? Sometimes we pressure people. That's the way I am. <laughs> deal with it now. Not later. Now, now is the time. <laughs> James 1, 19 and 20 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about 
the righteous life that God desires. See, it, 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 it forfeits, it forfeits the righteousness in your life. Is this helping anybody? A, a, another acceptable reason um, for unresolved conflict is, here it is, I tried. I tried. I went to them. I've tried, but now I'm giving them some time and I'll try again. I'll try again. It, it's not giving up, but it's saying, I've tried. Done what I'm supposed to do. I'll try again. And the next time, I may need some help. I may need the Holy Ghost. I may need the Trinity. I may need the pastor. I may need the deacon. I may need everybody. I may need mama, dad. I may need to call on everybody I can, can to resolve this issue. But I'll try it. And on my own, I don't feel like I've gotten anywhere. The third reason, you heard me say this, it's not personal. It's not personal. Because sometimes you're going to have conflict. Judges have conflict because they, uh, someone has been tried in a court of their peers. And they have been prosecuted. And the judge has to issue a sentence. The sentence that the judge is issuing has the, the person have not harmed the judge. But he had to give them their sentence. He had to speak their sentence to them. It's not personal for the judge. There are some things when it comes to parenting, there are some parents who have probably said some things to their children and it have built a wedge and a divide between them and their children. But you did it for the matter of principle. You did it for a matter of purpose. You did it in order that you might save their lives. You did it in order that you might build their lives up and, and that they may not harm themselves or other people. But it caused a conflict. But I do want to say now, there are sometimes, though it may not be personal, our timing, our tact, our tone, and our temperament might cause some problems. Because the way you said it and when you said it may have caused more damage than it did good. We got to be careful when we say things, why we say things, and how we say them. Sometimes you want to deal with conflict, you better make sure you got some facts. First, amen, your boss may have to give you a pink slip. Don't mean it's personal. Don't mean it's personal. If the money ain't there, what you going to do? You, you going to make it? Will you volunteer? <laughs> if you still want a job, volunteer. You, you'll be a volunteer employee. That's your job. You're a volunteer employee. You take the pink slip and you still can come in Monday morning. Amen? Conflict cannot be avoided and all conflict is not sinful. Not all conflict is sinful. The, the, the Bible says, Proverbs 27 and 17, as a man sharpens iron, so shall one man sharpen another. And the problem is sometimes we don't want to be sharpened. And when someone come to us to sharpen us, we think they're trying to cut us. And they're just trying to smooth away the rough edges. They're, they're just trying to shape us and help mold us into what God would have us to be. If on the job you tearing up equipment, you, you breaking stuff, they're going to let your butt go. <laughs> but in the body... 
People come to you just because they love you, they care for you, and they want to sharpen you. Accept their sharpening. The Bible says that the word of God is as sharp as a double-edged sword. And he says it's living and active. And we think sometimes because people come to us with a sharp word, they're trying to harm us and kill us. No, God's word is living and active. And if they are coming to you with the love of God, maybe you ought to receive it. Maybe you ought to embrace what they're sharing with you. Then Jesus gives this admonishment. He, he, he shares with them in verse number 22 again. He uses the word here, judgment. Then he says that if, if we browbeat our friends, our neighbors, we'll be taken to the councils, the Sanhedrin. And not only that, but when we use uh, language that, that is derogatory toward our brothers and sisters, we fall in danger of the fire of hell. I'm not saying this. This is in your word. This is in the word of God. It, it, the judgment of anger here. There's a judgment of anger. Jesus is admonishing them and he's giving them this harsh warning. It's such a serious matter to hold feelings against another person. A very, very, very serious matter. There's the danger of judgment. There's the danger of having it come before the courts. There's the danger of hellfire. And Jesus is simply addressing it in order that they may adjust it in their lives. There's some things that will be addressed in your life for the sake of you adjusting it in your life. He, he, he addresses their tongue. He addresses their temper in order that they might adjust it. And lastly... There's the application for agreement. The application for agreement. Now, agreement here does, does not mean that we, we just agree, we, we think alike. You follow what I'm saying? Agreement has to do with compromise and resolve. You may not be ace, boom, coon, but you choose to agree for the sake of the greater good. Matthew 5, 23 through 25 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there, if you're offering your gift right there, you remember that your brother has something against you. Now, most preachers, we don't want to preach this part of the text, but I'm glad it says, um, if you got an issue with your brother, leave your gift there in front of the altar <laughs> and go first to your brother. And deal with the matter first. Go and be reconciled to your brother. In other words, in other words, he's saying what they would do is in, in the Old Testament times when they would enter the gate, when they would enter into the temple. It, that's why the text says enter his gates with thanksgiving and come before his courts with praise. They, they, but when they came to worship, the first thing they did was gave. That's the first thing they did. I, I, I know we, we don't make it first in priority in our lives. We, we pay all our bills first. And whatever we have left over, that's what we, we give. I ain't, I ain't talking about nobody. That's just what we do because we don't trust God in that matter. So the first thing they did before they worship, he says, because it hinders your worship if you have an art with the brother. 
If you have an art with a sister, it hinders your worship. You will not receive what God has for you. You begin to grieve the Holy Spirit and you will not embrace everything that God is trying to speak to you because there are factions in the church. You on one side, your sister on the other side. Remember Paul addressed uh, Lois, uh, uh, Syntyche, Eunice and Syntyche in, in Philippians. He says there are factions in the church. And he said to the other brother, help me deal with this matter. Help me deal with this situation. But some people, rather than dealing with it, they just sit back and watch. That's why I said some people will fight. Some will take flight. Some will fester. But there are others who will just foster it. Oh, they'll get in your ear and tell you everything about a person. But you ought to tell them, well, when are you going to deal with it? Have you gone to them? Can, can I help mediate? Can I, can I intervene into this situation? Because I, I don't want to see you lose your joy. I don't, I don't want you to hinder your worship. But instead of us dealing with it in that way, we'll just foster it. Yeah, I had an issue with them too. They looked at me funny one day. And they, I think they always just got an attitude. I, I don't know what, what problem they have with me. Person ain't got no problem with you. And we'll foster the anger. But he says, first go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Watch this. Verse 25. Settle matters quickly. Resolve it now. Somebody say, resolve it. Resolve it. Resolve it. Settle matters quickly. With your adversary who is taking you to court, do it while you are still with him on your way or he may hand you over to the judge. In other words, there's a priority for reconciliation. First go to your brother and be reconciled. It's a priority. It matters to God. It matters in the kingdom. And, and if we're ever going to bring about a positive resolution, it starts with you making a choice to do it. You got a will in your heart that I'm not going to allow this matter to go on. And then there's the promptness for reconciliation. Settle the matter quickly. There's a priority and there's the promptness. You have to do it promptly, promptly, promptly. Because there's a price we pay for unresolved conflict. There's an unbelievable price that you and I pay. Are y'all still with me? Come on, give, give God a round of applause. Come on, make me, let me know you're still alive. Let me know you're still here with me today because I, I got to get through this. <laughs> Here's the price we pay. Number one, we grieve the spirit. It hinders worship. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ. God forgave you. Amen. Not only that, you give the devil a foothold. You give the devil a foothold. Ephesians 4, 
25 through 27, therefore each of you must put off falsehood. Because there is a falsehood to act like you ain't got no problem when you have a problem. It's a falsehood. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Number three, it destroys the work of God. It destroys the work of God. Romans 14, 19 and 20 says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. They were arguing over food. Sound like a problem I would have. <laughs> we out the other day at IHOP and Quinn, I had the steak tips and eggs. Quinn said, uh, when that come, I, you're going to give me a piece of that. I'm saying, no, I'm not. No, no, bro, you, you ordered your own. <laughs> Don't be tripping over my food. This mine. <laughs> but they were arguing we'll destroy the work of God because of our own appetite. Our appetite for anger our appetite for rage, our appetite for dissension and bitterness. It leads also to bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Have you ever tried to pull up a stump, a tree, and you thought, this should be easy. I'm going to just dig around it. And when you begin to dig around, you find out that its tentacles, its roots are going here and there and everywhere. It's not just here. You defile many people when you become bitter. Our kids have been messed up because of our anger. Generations have been messed up, messed up because of unresolved anger. It tarnishes also the Lord's name. Romans 2, 23, 24. You who brag about the law. These are the people who, who feel like, man, I ain't killed nobody. So I ain't hurt nobody. Don't trip on me. He says, do not, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. When you allow bitterness and rage to take root in your life, you tarnish God's name's name. It forfeits God's forgiveness. You want God to forgive you, but you're unwilling to forgive someone else. Matthew 6, 14, 15 says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Last one. It proves we're not truly converted at all. Those are some harsh words. I didn't want to say it, but the scripture implies it. Matter of fact, Galatians 5, 16 through 21. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. It's contrary to the will of God, to the work of God in your life, to harbor anger and unforgiveness. It's contrary to God's word. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not know, do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. 
The acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy. All these things. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The blessing you've been waiting on, the benefits you've been waiting on, he's saying it can be denied. It can be canceled on account of how you harbor unforgiveness. So how do we respond to this? Most often we respond in an unhealthy fashion. We suppress it, we deny it, we dismiss it, and we have deep-filled emotions, but we don't confront it. We have repression. We, we acknowledge the conflict, but we refuse to address it. So we avoid confronting it, hoping that it'll dissipate and just go away. Anybody ever been there? I just want this to go away. I ain't going to say nothing. Just let it go away. <laughs> then we have accusation. We blame everyone other than ourselves for the conflict. However, to not confront and accuse Confront, yet we accuse and acknowledge only causes the conflict to escalate and grow. So how should we respond? We should respond by refusing to respond in anger. Refuse to respond in anger. Make no attempt to defend yourself immediately. Ask the Holy Spirit to put a seal on your, on your lips and to put a guard on your mouth. Amen? Some of us need a muzzle. <laughs> Ask the Holy Spirit to put a seal on your lips and put a guard on your mouth. Psalm 141 and 3, it says this. Um, make your, like David, he set a guard. He says, oh Lord, over my mouth, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. <laughs> Ask the Holy Spirit for discernment. Watch this. If after calm reflection, you still find yourself totally puzzled as to what created a conflict, because sometimes you're thinking, what did I even do? What did I say? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the cause. See, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is that he generously bestows on those who requested discernment. Now, in discernment, now we ask for discernment and it blows me away at people who say they have the gift of discernment from the Holy Spirit. Now, they can discern what's wrong with everybody else, but they can never discern what's wrong with them. Ask God for the discernment that even if it's me, if I'm at fault, Lord, reveal it to me. Amen? Regardless of how the conflict arises, see it as coming from God. It's an opportunity to grow. God may not have sent it, but he allowed it to come to grow you and to prepare you. Ask the Holy Spirit if it's my fault. Forgive the other person. Begin immediately to treat the other person with kindness, gen genuineness, and, 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 and tenderness. Choose to learn from the conflict. And lastly, view the conflict as an opportunity to respond as Christ would. It was Jesus on the cross who said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. People are watching you. They're watching your witness. And in the manner that you deal with a conflict could either draw people or push them away. 
Jesus died for reconciliation. He came to the earth. The Bible says, I came to seek and save that which, which was lost. Well, what was lost? Relationship was lost between God and man. Whenever there's a broken relationship between God and man, you better believe there will be broken relationship between man and man. The greatest ministry that we can have is not just to come in here and lift up our hands and sing and give falsehood, but the greatest ministry that we have is to reconcile people to God and to one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let us rise.